Support for IPR comes from Hands in Harmony, a therapeutic healthcare facility with a splash of spa and a team of holistic healers to help in the quest for health, harmony, and happiness. Cedar Rapids and Mount Vernon. Classes, massage, and more at myhih.com. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. Later this hour, if you're interested in Iowa's music scene, the B-side from IPR Studio One is for you. The blog is great, but in December, the B-side got bigger and better. I'll talk with Editor-in-Chief Lindsay Moon. But first, it has been a long, long time since public libraries were singularly dedicated to loaning out books. Every public library still offers books, of course, but that's just a part of the mission. Libraries are community spaces, and most offer many different kinds of community building, educational, and entertainment experiences. Library collections are also constantly evolving to meet the needs of community members, And you may be able to check out some pretty surprising things from your local library. Today, we're going to talk about some of those unusual public library collection items. I'll talk with librarians from Iowa Falls and Des Moines. But we're going to start with the Library of Things at the James Kennedy Public Library in Dyersville. Paul Zarowski is the young and emerging adult librarian, and he is on the line with me now. Hello, Paul. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. And You expanded the collection in Dyersville to include this library of things. In the fairly recent past, it was about six months before the pandemic struck. Can you take me back to 2019? What was the inspiration for expanding the collection? So um, my director and I had gone through this program, which was Small Libraries Create Smart Spaces, which is basically about how to better utilize your library space, as well as how to incorporate active learning into the activities that the library has both passive and active, as in passive like event or things we just have out in the floor space that people can utilize. And from that, we underwent a whole process where we tried to evaluate what the public wanted. We had a whole bunch of different meetings and such. And from that, we started to develop the Library of Things collection, which is non-traditional items that the library has available. When we first started, it was mostly focused on specifically STEM items, such as like robotics, um, buildables and crafts that people can use. Like, for example, one of the major things that came out of that um, educational course was we have our creation station, which is kind of in the middle of the library. It's just full of random craft materials that you can utilize. You can just come in with your kids and uh, we want to draw something or we want to cut something up and make something out of it, or we want to, you know, create a dinosaur origami or whatever you want to do. And from there, we kept getting feedback from people on different types of items that they'd be interested in us having. Um, we started to go into fo- food items, food processing items, which those have been very popular. Our Ninja Foodie is one of our number one things that gets checked out from this collection. We have baking pans, we have microscopes, we have telescopes, we have costumes that you can check out. And we have like, we started just getting uh, magic sets in, so like learn how to do magic trick type stuff. Wow. Well, and and I want to talk about some of the the technology items that you have available, because I think that makes your library of things unique. And I also have to say that as a parent, when my kids were younger, if I could have checked a lot of these things out from the local library, I absolutely would have, because there are a lot of items that are 
exciting, enriching, engaging for kids, but they're also expensive. And once your kids use them one time, they're unlikely to go back and use them again. So um, some of these items that I, I notice on your list are like Lego sets or, or robotics sets. Tell me about that part of the library and, and what you feel like the community's getting out of it. Yeah, I will say for the record, I love the fact we have Legos. We have a box of Legos that you can check out and just build stuff with your kids because you have no idea how expensive those are until the first time you walk down the Lego aisle. Yes, I know exactly how expensive they are. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, my Lord, how did my parents ever get these for me as a kid? Um, right. Uh, yeah, so we, we have a whole bunch of different robotics and um, one of our more popular items, which is exactly what you're talking about, it's a good one-time use to get your kids interested, they're called snap circuits. So what it is is you will have these snappable parts that are actual, like, electronic parts that you can create uh, grids to be able to do different type of functions. Um, one of the more popular ones is you can make a FM radio. It can actually pick up the local radio station. Um, we've done that a few times with the kids. Um, there's another one that's really fun, which are called Makey Makey Kits. These little small devices where you, um, by creating electrical currents, you can turn any type of object into a controller. To give you an idea, um, when I was first taking these home and testing them out and kind of learning how to use them, I managed to play Call of Duty while actually using apples as the controllers, as in, like, this is the <laughs> one you shoot on. Granted, I did terribly with them. Um, I, I was, like, bottom <laughs> They're score. not quite as good as, as other controllers, no, but they were Do not recommend if you're trying to play for real, but it, it, the idea that you could do it was really neat. I got annihilated three games in a row, but it was fun just to try. Well, and you are allowing people to check out items that are pretty expensive. And of course, you know, when we think about checking out books, sometimes books get damaged or they don't come back, but they are replaceable. Was that a big concern for you with this library of things that you're uh, checking out higher dollar items? It, it was when we first started, we had a lot of worries that maybe like our like we have a cricket in it, which is a very expensive, very awesome machine if you love to do crafts. We had some concerns that, you know, maybe it'll never come back, but it's they've been pretty moot. People have been pretty good about bringing stuff back. If something's wrong with it, people have been good at pointing it out. The food items, people have, or the food processor items, people have been really good about cleaning those before bringing them back. I think I've only had to talk to a person a couple times. I mean, a couple of different people. Um, about it coming back kind of gross. But other than that, people have been pretty good about returning these things. I can imagine, you know, I was thinking about the things that you buy for your kids that they only use once, and that that's a really expensive thing. But then also with these food processing items, I can imagine that that's a great opportunity for somebody to try something out. If they check out an air fryer and then they love it, that tells them that that is a good investment for them. <laughs> Yeah, and that's been like one of the main selling points of the collection is the whole try it before you buy it mindset, um, especially with like the air fryer. We've had tons of people like, I've always thought about it. I've always thought about it. And then they see we have one. They rent it like, oh, I love it or, oh, I hated it. And now they know. And it saved them the trouble. So with this collection of things, um, obviously it's been popular at your library. How do you feel it deepens your relationship with the community to have this non-traditional collection. It just enables us to extend our services just in the other ways that helps the community, which is always great. That's what we're here for. Um, 
for example, we have a canopy in there and somebody borrowed it for a, uh, a graduation party last summer. Uh, a few weeks ago, we had a um, downtown Wonderland where basically a whole bunch of the uh, local businesses were running like a little fair type thing. And they borrowed some of our stuff for that, uh, including the canopy. And so like, it just opens more possibilities the way we can help our community, which is, that's great. That's what the library is here for. We love doing it. So it just opens more doors for that. I noticed that you had a lot of large games like cornhole and things like that that you might want to check out if you're having a graduation open house or a party. Uh, And is there a lot of competition for some of those items? I noticed you had Mr. and Mrs. Claus costumes or Santa and Mrs. Claus costumes. I can imagine those get to be in pretty high demand during certain times of the year. Yes. Uh, yeah, we, we had a wait list for Santa this year for the for the costume for that. Yeah, so during the summertime, a lot of our outdoor activity ones, there's usually quite a bit. It's like, oh, what's available? I'm having, you know, I get together with my family this 4th of July. But we, we have a good number of items in it, so usually we can try to help them somehow. Of all the things that you have that have been popular, what has been the biggest surprise for you? Probably the air fryer. I mean, I knew people were interested in it, but I didn't think they would be that interested interested in it. Um, another one that's been really popular is um, we got hot spots for it. We got them about a year ago to help during the pandemic stuff when people were doing a lot of learning at home still. Um, or like whenever your kids got, if your kids came down with symptoms, they'd have to stay home for like a week. Um, and those have just been constantly going out. Um, last night when I checked, we had four of the 10. That's the most I've seen in a while. Um, those have been gone over super well. Like I knew people would want to use them, but I didn't expect to this level. Paul, thank you so much for talking with me and uh, telling us about your library of things. Not a problem. Hope people check out what their local libraries have to offer. We're more than just books these days. Paul Zorowski is the young and emerging adult librarian at the James Kennedy Public Library in Dyersville. In a few minutes, we'll find out about the Library of Things at the Des Moines Public Library. But first, we're going to head to Iowa Falls and the Robert W. Barlow Memorial Library. Aaron Finnegan-Andrews is the library director. Hello, Aaron. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. And tell me when uh, you started your Library of Things. I would say our first um, major addition to the library in terms of our library things was our ice skates program. And that started about 10 years or so ago with um, the development of a local group that came together to create a Winterfest group. And we kind of partnered with them in um, hosting shelving, basically keeping the skates here at our library. And your library of things does have a real focus on outdoor activities and sports. Yes. But I mean, having an yes. ice skate library is so, so wonderful because, of course, if yeah. you if you want to go ice skating outside, not at an indoor mm-hmm. rink, and a lot of us don't have access to an indoor rink, having ice skates is hard and kids keep growing out of them. So tell me how much of an ice skate collection you have. Well, currently we have about 215 skates, um, ranging from little tiny toddler skates all the way up to, I think we have size 13. So um, one of the things I've done as director is to help um, add more sizes. We just to see that people of all ages uh, want to get out there and skate. Um, Iowa Falls is located on the Iowa River. And uh, we have a spot down by the Boat Club, which is a community center here in town. And they have their own Zamboni and they clear out a nice little spot when the weather is and the ice is uh, 
is good. And then they also have a man-made little rink that's um, right beside the boat club there. So if, if it's the weather's not the greatest and it's melty, then they can, they can get on the, the landbound rink. So um, yeah, the, having the river in town just adds so much recreation to our community. So when somebody checks out ice skates, how long do they check them out for? They can have them for two days. Um, all you need is your library card. Um, we sign up a lot of people during ice skate season, which is another good thing for us to get people in the library, see all the other services and items that we have. Um, but we do require you have a library card. If you are from out of town, saying visiting mom and dad or grandma and grandpa, we do um, let you like leave your um, photo ID with us oh, to nice. check them out for the day. Nice. Well, we're going to have to take a short break. We'll be back in just a moment to talk about more of the items in the library of things at the Public Library in Iowa Falls. Aaron Finnegan Andrews is the director of the Barlow Memorial Library. I'll also be talking with a librarian from Des Moines Public Library in just a few minutes as well. And then later, Later in the hour, a new multimedia publication from IPR Studio One that encapsulates the whole year in the Iowa independent music scene. We'll find out more. This is Talk of Iowa from IPR News. Support for IPR comes from Hands in Harmony, a therapeutic healthcare facility with a splash of spa and a team of holistic healers to help in the quest for health, harmony, and happiness. Cedar Rapids and Mount Vernon. Classes, massage, and more at myhih.com. Support for IPR comes from the Healing Room at Upstream Functional Medicine, offering medical spa services that support the body's natural ability to detoxify from environmental challenges. Learn more about the Healing Room at upstreamfm.com. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. In about 15 minutes, I will be talking with IPR's Lindsay Moon about a new multimedia publication from IPR's Studio One that takes readers through a year in the Iowa independent music scene. It's all on the B side at IPRStudioOne.org. Right now, we are talking about some of the more unusual things that you can check out from your local library. And we're only talking with librarians from three different libraries around the state, but many libraries have collections of things that you can check out. Baking pans, puzzles, works of art, and so much more. With me right now is Aaron Finnegan, Andrews Director of the Barlow Memorial Library in Iowa Falls. And Aaron, just before the break, we were talking about your extensive collection of ice skates. And that's really where your library of things started. But you have expanded. As I said, there's a real focus on outdoor activities. You also have yeah. a collection of bicycles. Tell me how that came yes. about. Yeah, so we have a program we call our Book a Bike uh, Collection, and it was started by the director that was previous to myself, and um, through local grants and a community matching uh, fundraiser, uh, we were able to purchase um, seven bikes, and there's a trailer bike, and a burly, and a little preschool bike, so, um, and one thing we added not too long ago, we have a fat tire bike that you can check out to, um, you know, ride in the snow and on trails, so yeah, that's been a pretty successful program for us also. Now, that's a, a pretty high dollar item that somebody is checking out with their library mm -hmm. card. Is that challenging? Uh, you know, we really, um, like our pre your previous guest, we really, you know, we were a little nervous about it, but we really have not had any problems 
um, with people um, taking care of the equipment. Um, we have in our fund money to have the bikes serviced every year. So we make sure that they're in good shape. Um, we do require that you sign a waiver, a one-time waiver, um, when you do check out the a bike for the first time. And we also require that you wear a helmet. We have helmets that we check out and bike locks. Um, so if you, um, you're you able to check out the bike for just that same day. So if you come in in the morning, then you can just have it till we close that night. So um, we do, um, again, require the helmet and for you to lock it up. Uh, so Iowa Falls has a really growing uh, trail system. There's actually a Hardin County Trails group that has been fundraising to expand the trails within Iowa Falls, outside of Iowa Falls, and, and uh, connecting to other communities in the county, uh, including the Pine Lake area, which is in Eldora. And it sounds like, uh, thinking back to what you were saying about those ice skates, it sounds like your collection has really grown along mm-hmm. with that community investment. Definitely. Um, this past wintertime, I think we checked out uh, 500 skates in the skating wow. season. So the interest continues to grow every year. And that's um, propelled us to obviously purchase more skates through actually the, the Winter Wreckfest Fest group that funds um, the skates. Um, we just ask them to purchase more as we see it. Um, and they've also added to the collection. We now have snowshoes also. We added that about two years ago. So we have um, 27 pairs of snowshoes you can also use. Nice. And you also have, I mean, we talked about the bicycles, but you also have things that people can check out when it's actually warm outside, too. <laughs> you have a, yes. a collection yes. for disc golfers, yes. so you can, yep. can check out the discs. Yeah. Iowa Falls, again, has, has a really robust park system. So uh, we have pickleball sets, and we have shuffleboard sets, and we have disc golf sets. So um, one of our... Parks in Iowa Falls just recently added a brand new pickleball court. Um, so during, and we also have indoor pickleball at through the Ellsworth College. So people do check it out in the wintertime sometimes. Um, but mainly people use it at uh, one of our parks. And some days we have four sets right now. And we may even have to add more because they get checked out all the time. It's all the rage. So yes. It, I personally think that a public library is an essential part, uh, part of any community. But this investment that you've made and growing with the growth and in investment in recreation in the community, it just really sounds like your ties with the community and, and your responsiveness to the community have, have just strengthened through this. Do you feel that way? Definitely. We have really fostered other relationships with other community groups in town, uh, the Winter Rec Fest group. The um, Calkins Nature Center, which is right outside of town, they um, have trails for snowshoeing and you can take the fat bike out there. Um, so we've fostered a relationship with them. And then the boat club that um, has the rink down on the river. So, yeah, it's it's really about um, keeping these relationships going to better the community. There's another item in your collection that I want to ask about that doesn't have anything to do with recreation. Um, but you have a 3D printer in your yes. collection. How mm-hmm. how do patrons access that? How does that work? Um, basically, we kind of control it and print off of it. One of our great, um, our circulation librarian here, it's kind of her little, her machine. So um, she, we have websites that we supply to people that um, you can 
pick from already pre-made items if you want, or you can totally design your own. And then if you just provide the file to us, we can print it for you. And the cost is very minimal in terms of uh, what we charge people to print things. And um, during our summer reading program, one of our most popular awards or prizes that we give out is if you complete certain challenges, then you're allowed to pick out a 3D printed image. Cool. And again, the kids just love it. That is very cool. So as this has developed, let's look to the future. Of course, I know finances are, are always an issue, mm-hmm. but how do you see this growing? I'd like to continue to grow our outdoor uh, collection in terms of some of the more items that we can maybe add. I'm thinking maybe like um, bocce ball and tennis rackets. And um, I heard you mention one of the other librarians, they have the the bags games. I think maybe we'll invest in that. So uh, again, Iowa Falls is just a very scenic area with lots of recreation opportunities. I have always thought it's one of the most beautiful parts of the state. So it's a good place to be outside. Erin Finnegan-Andrews, thank you so much. You bet. Thank you so much. Erin Finnegan-Andrews is the director of the Robert W. Barlow Memorial Library in Iowa Falls. We're talking about different libraries and their libraries of things. We've also heard from Julie, who says, my husband just checked out a Superman cake pan from the Rock Island Public Library. Who knew? And from Caitlin, who says, we've checked out art from the Iowa City Library. We get to keep it for weeks at a time, and it's fun to rotate the art in our living room. You can also let us know how you use the libraries of things in your communities. You can email talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. And now we're going to go to Des Moines. It's a relatively new library of things at the Des Moines Public Library with a focus on some essential but expensive items. Aaron Gurness is communication specialist at the Des Moines Public Library. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Charity. How are you doing? Good. Thank you so much for being here. And this is a fairly new addition to the Des Moines Public Library. Tell me what the inspiration for starting a library of things was for you. Yeah, so our staff at the Cent- um, Central Library, actually there's a was a team called Tech Central, and this actually started in 2021 where we got some big items, say like a video editing station. We put in a camera with a green screen and a, a Glowforge. So those items, you know, they were stationed in-house at the Central Library. People could reserve items, uh, reserve time to use them there. But obviously there's so many other smaller things, things that are part of our library, things that we'll talk about. Um, and as our staff kind of looked around and uh, there, they knew there was interest because they've looked at so many other libraries, like the li- libraries here in Iowa that have been doing it and other libraries across the country. And so uh, this past November, we uh, they actually bought 50 items of varying uh, varying types to start with, from food and kitchen items to tech items to outdoor recreation items and home and office items. And we started that in November. Um, and man, it's been huge. I mean, it was taking off on social media right away. And I mean, we have tons of people uh, checking out a ton of different items. And so now we're actually expanding it. Well, and I I have done actually shows about libraries of things in the past. And it's something that I have kind of associated with smaller communities, a place where you have, you know, a a real one-on-one connection with the people who are checking things out from your library. Was there nervousness about serving such a large population with some very high dollar items in Des Moines? Yeah, I, there definitely was a little bit of discussion about that. But I think one thing about uh, library users is that they're really some of the most generous and great people out there. Uh, the people that come in frequently, the people that really uh, to check out books, to check out movies, they're the ones that are seeing this uh, front and center at first. And I mean, I think as the other uh 
other people have said that in the show today, you know, they we've had great success with people returning items, with people cleaning items. You know, it's, it hasn't been as much of an issue as we had, you know, first con- been concerned with. Well, and I'm looking at right now a list of the items that you have the most holds on yeah. in your library of things. And every single one of them, I'm thinking, oh, wow, I wish that I could check that out from my library. Yeah. So uh, talk us through that list and, and tell us about some of the things that, that you have. Well, yeah, our most popular item, and this is kind of surprising, but it makes sense if you think about Des Moines historically, is a digital radon detector. Now, Des Moines, of course, like a lot of, there's a lot of old like kind of coal strips and coal mines in the area that uh, you know eventually were we settled on top of and some of that so I'm sure it's anyone that's bought or sold a house in Des Moines in the past you know five ten years knows that they recommend maybe doing a little radon mitigation but or radon at least checking before right. you get in there and so I think a lot of people are aware of that and this is a great way we have two digital radon detectors that have been circulating out people can get them for a week so you have it some time just to check the radon in your basement quick that those levels and uh, find out what you should do about it maybe you can call a mitigation company Company or something like that. Well, and that's such a great opportunity because those yeah. are really expensive and yeah, you and have it, to take some steps to get one. It, t- it takes some steps and it's also something that you only probably need one time, you know? Right. Uh, once you know the radon levels in your house, you're probably not going to need it again. So to purchase it, it seems a little unnecessary, but if you can borrow it from us and we can provide that to you, uh, it's something that we're really happy to do. Right. Another... And, and radon is an issue all over the state. Yes, I just need yes. to say that, not just in the Des Moines area. It's a, a real problem for a lot of homes in Iowa. But And that is your number one item that yeah, <laughs> everybody yeah. wants to get their hands on. Yeah, that's been it's been kind of uh, kind of funny to see, but I mean, like, like I said, it makes a lot of sense. And same with number two, I think a carpet washer. One of those things where do it doesn't necessarily make sense to have on hand, like to buy. They're expensive. They're kind of big and clunky to store. But if you want to clean your carpets once a year, you can check one out from the library here and get it. Just do a quick spruce up when uh, when you bring it home, and then your carpets will be nice and clean. Nice. And so third on the list is a, a medical, a metal detector. And that's the first one that sounds really recreational, maybe, <laughs> to me. I yeah. mean, I, I can imagine a situation where it's a necessity, but most of the time they're for fun. I, I would like to imagine, I haven't had a chance to talk with anyone about well, checking it out and what they've been doing, but I imagine, you know, you're going around your backyard, uh, maybe you're going out in the park and just kind of seeing what's going on there. But yeah, I, I would love to hear some stories. If anyone out there has checked out the uh, metal detector from the Des Moines Public Library. Let us know what you found in your backyard or your park. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You've also got a light therapy lamp on the list. You've got um, a telescope. I'm curious, how long can people check these items out for? Or does that vary from item to item? Each item can be checked out for one week. So um, if you get on hold, you can be on hold for up to a week. So therefore, like you don't have to rush to the library right away. Uh, to pick up your item if you're out of town. You have a week to pick it up, and then you have a week to uh, borrow it before you have to return it. That is great. That also makes the carpet um, machine sound a lot more doable (laughs) (laughs) instead of just one day to get all your carpets clean. Um, You also have, we talked earlier uh, with Dyersville about some food preparation items. The next item on your list is a frozen yogurt or an ice cream maker. So that also, that feels a little risky to me, sending things out that people are going to prepare food in, but that's been a really positive or a really popular option for you. Yeah, I think one of, that might have been uh, one of those 
that were suggested by our staff. You know, it's a great way to spend time with your family, uh, kind of a fun little activity. So um, as also they've said, too, it's a kind of a nice try before you buy. Maybe you, you have a really good time doing it and you can see yourself doing it, uh, doing that more in the future. There's a lot of items on here like the pasta maker as well, um, where it, it can be a great time, great way to spend time with people in the kitchen, kind of connect and then uh, decide maybe maybe I want to invest in this uh, going forward. Well, the next item on the list, in fact, the next two items, I, I think, is a really wonderful um, service that you're offering. Video to digital converter, so converting old VHS items. And then the next one is a digital film scanner, which converts film negatives. I mean, that's something that so many of us need to do. We mm -hmm. have all these old uh, pieces of media in our households, but investing in the technology to do it or paying somebody else to do it can be really prohibitively expensive. And it can be time consuming too. So, I mean, when you're, when you're creating those new, you know, you have to kind of go through, you can't fast forward through those old VHS tapes. They have to kind of be transferred over minute by minute, second by second. So uh, it's something that we saw was very popular in our actual uh, Tech Central. People would come in and reserve time. So the ability to provide a portable one for them to bring home and do on their own time as well uh, has been great. I know that my, my father-in-law has actually expressed interest in this item as well. Uh, he lives up in Decorah, but we might be transferring some digital or some tapes over uh, down here to take care of that. So I think, uh, you know, preserving those memories is really important. And I think there's so, you know, so many tapes out there from from my family, from all sorts of families that uh, yeah. people really want to preserve. Yeah. Well, and doing that for your father-in-law, that's a, a, great, <laughs> a great gift idea for sure. So because you're in Des Moines, uh, you have several different branch locations. How do you manage that when people want one of these items, but it's not in the physical location that they go to? So our library of things... Um, Technically, nothing is on display anywhere, um, so it's all kind of stored at our central library, but um, in the process of putting a hold, just like here in Des Moines, if you have a Des Moines Public Library card, you can place a hold for a book and have it sent anywhere to any of one of your branches, whether it be North, Franklin, South, um, wherever, whatever branch you go to frequently. Um, same thing with the Library of Things. So if you live on the south side and you want that carpet cleaner sent to the south side library, we'll send it your way. Um, same with some of those uh, smaller items as well or some of those games. Uh, so people just need to have choose the branch and pick it up from where they want to have it sent to. And then we'll, we'll take care of the rest and get it there. Well, and we have been focusing on um, some of these high-tech items. But you do have some of the, the items that do show up in a lot of different libraries of things. You mentioned the games. Tell me about your board game collection. Yeah, we're actually in the process of adding, I think, more than 50 board games um, to our library of things. Uh, not all of them are quite up there yet. I know a lot of it's going through... Uh, going through our team right now to get it all cataloged. But a lot of these board games, we're going to be focusing on kind of the adult uh, adult level board games. So you're talking about something as like Settlers of Catan or your Ticket to Ride, some of those classic games. But uh, game nights are becoming more popular. I think we've seen a couple companies here in the Des Moines Metro that have kind of taken off using kind of being portable board game companies that bring board games to different locations. So to be able to provide some of these, again, almost a try before you buy thing in a lot of ways too. You know, board games are expensive and if you have want to buy one and then you find out it's a little too complicated or not as fun as you would have liked, um, this is a great way to kind of test it out and see 
what's out there. So yeah, I mean, we'll have we're going to get these added. I think in the next like month or so, and should have more than fifty board games up there by the end wow. of February. Exciting. So we only have a, a few seconds left. Yeah. Um, obviously, this has been a big hit for your library patrons. How do you see it growing in the future? I mean, we've already have more tools coming in um, and more more games, not just board games, but we're talking about giant Jenga. Think about some gra- graduation party classics yeah. that are coming in, lawn bowling, horseshoes, uh, even some more kitchen stuff. I know they're adding a sous vide circulator and a vacuum sealer. So if you've ever wanted to try your hand at something like that, this is a great way to do it. So just going to keep expanding to what people want, um, responding to people's needs. I know we added a second uh, radon detector because of that. Um, and just kind of keep listening to the community. Nice. Aaron, thank you so much. Thank you. Aaron Gurness is communication specialist at the Des Moines Public Library. We've been talking about libraries of things, different libraries around the state, and you should check out your local public library. They may have a library of things as well. Coming up in just a moment, we'll talk about the B-side and a new publication that takes a look at the year in the independent music scene in Iowa. This is Talk of Iowa from IPR News. Support for IPR comes from The Healing Room at Upstream Functional Medicine, offering medical spa services that support the body's natural ability to detoxify from environmental challenges. Learn more about The Healing Room at upstreamfm.com. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. In 2022, the live music scene came roaring back as we entered a new phase of the pandemic. It was an exciting and busy year for many Iowa artists, and it was also a busy year full of innovation and new initiatives for IPR's Studio One. There have been a lot of exciting things happening with All Access, a music show that launched in 2021 on the air Saturdays from 1 to 4 and Sundays from 7 to 10 p.m., All Access Live, a monthly live music performance series, and it's all been documented on the B-Side blog, featuring interviews, reviews, articles, photography, and videos. The cherry on top is the B-Side issue that came out in December. It is a multimedia yearbook that captures the Iowa music scene in 2022. Lindsay Moon is senior digital producer at IPR, executive producer of All Access, and the editor-in-chief of the B-Side, and she is on the line with me. Hello, Lindsay. Hi, Charity. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for being here. And this is something that IPR has never done before. Tell me where the idea for the project came from. Yeah. So the B-side as an overarching project was um, an idea that we pitched and found funding for um, to create a a contributors network so that Iowa Public Radio would be able to cover the art scene better across the state. Um, We don't have enough reporters on our staff to cover all the news in addition to everything that's happening with the art scene. And post-pandemic, it was just really important to me that we figured out a way to document the return of live music. Throughout the pandemic, I'd spent some time kind of looking back to see what happened with the music scene after the last pandemic and how things came back. And we've heard and have had a lot of people signal that there's a renaissance on the way, but there was no record of that that I could find. And so what I wanted was to create a way for us to be able to document the return of live music post-pandemic in Iowa. Um, And so we received some money from Prairie Meadows this year 
that has been so helpful in being able to pay writers, photographers, and videographers to help us do some of this documentation. And we got through the first year of having that grant money. And I sat down and just really wanted to lay out all the content that we had and the stories that we had covered and see what the mix looked like to make sure that we were representing all facets of the music community fairly to the best that we could with the staff that we had and with the people that we had connected with. Um, and the B-side kind of came out of that project, um, or at least the impetus for me to sit down and lay out and see what what we had done in the last year. Well, and and the inspiration for creating a yearbook, I mean, this is full of new media, multimedia, and all kinds of innovative things. You, If you ever have a print copy, you definitely want to sit there with your phone and scan a bunch of QR codes as you go through to really get the, the full effect. But this is an idea that was inspired by an old idea, right? Yeah, exactly. So um, I had a godfather who had a big record collection and taught me about vinyl. And he passed away um, about a year ago. And his uh, wife, my godmother, and my godsister found a collection of program yearbooks from Stevens Auditorium um, that were from the 1980s. And so he'd kept all these program yearbooks in addition to cutting the newspaper clippings out for the preview of the show and then the review of the show after the fact. And I just thought it was so cool to sit through or to, I just thought it was so cool to sit down and pour through the liner notes for who the production staff had been on those tours. Um, there were some joke pages that I thought were really funny. And it just was like this look back in time at what was happening. And it's got a lot of notes about the musicians and like the lighting crews that worked the shows. And I really wanted to create a way for those liner notes to exist. And so, yeah, I sat down and started putting together some of the content that we had and the B-side uh print edition that we're looking at right now is going to go up for pre-sale this week. You can buy a copy for $30 a book. Um, that covers just the cost of the book and the shipping to your house. Um, and I'm daringly calling this uh, project an augmented reality because when you sit down and you look through this book, as you said a minute ago, Charity, you've got the ability to um, QR code the music videos that we've produced. And there are many stories in this book that have music videos attached to them that either have been produced so that you can meet the artists that we're writing about and get to know them a little bit and see their process or just straight up music videos that we've recorded. One of the things that Studio One does in the state is we go around to music festivals and events and we record full concerts and we uh, get the rights for those and we publish them online as YouTube concerts. So if you've not had a chance to check out Iowa Public Radio's YouTube channel, there's a lot of stuff there from the last year in the Iowa music scene and it's all curated together as this book is kind of a yearbook guide to what's been going on in the state. And uh, you mentioned it, it goes up for pre-sale at $30 per person to get a printed copy of this book. That was probably not your plan when you first put it together. Did you imagine that you would print copies? No, I didn't. I wanted Because it is this... all online. You can have this experience online. Yes. Yep. It's all online. You can download it as a free PDF uh, if you'd rather go that route and look at it. It is really effective to sit down with a tablet and flip through it and you can QR code your television that way. Um, if you've got a Chromecast or some kind of Roku system that connects your YouTube to your television. Um, but I started laying this out and I showed a couple of folks in the music community uh, what I was working on and everyone started asking, where can I get a print copy? So it's from overwhelming demand from audience that we are taking this to print. I'm very excited about it. <laughs> well, and it feels, I mean, it's a yearbook. It feels like a time capsule too. Just this moment in time, which I know... I feel like people are going to really remember this as a pivotal year, although I can imagine that something like this would be valuable 
any year. So I hope that this is something that you can find the funding to continue in the future. But I do want to take a couple of minutes to talk about the photography and the videos, because that's something that Iowa Public Radio has really invested in in the last year. And we have some incredibly talented individuals on staff who are just taking the most incredible images. So tell me a little bit about whose images we're seeing. Sure. So Madeline King and Lucius Baum are IPR's in-house visuals team primarily. Um, And there are never before seen photos from the music festivals this year that they took that are in this book. We've had a lot of fantastic content, videos, photos published to Instagram and Facebook, and they're great in those feeds. But this pulls it all together so you can really see what it looks like all laid out in the same place. Um, There are some amazing shots in here from our Juneteenth, a movement concert that was taped at XBK. There's original photography in here that you've never seen before from 8035, uh, from Hinterland, from Iowa Public Radio's 100-year anniversary parties that we held last year. Um, There's also original photography from our uh, in-house concert series, All Access Live, that is both hosted in front of a live audience, recorded for later use, and broadcasted live over the airwaves and on YouTube once a month. We've also had some contributors that have given us some photography through the B-side. We've been able to pay them um, to use their photography in this book. Uh, Mark Lage is a photographer who's based in Des Moines that does a lot of work with Americana and blues artists, and his photos of the Monday Night Live series are fantastic. Um, He also gave us some photos from the Music University (laughs) showcase that happened. Um, We've also got photos in here from Alyssa Light, who is one of Iowa's favorite concert photographers. Um, You'll see her work showcased uh, in the part of the book about Anthony Warden and the Illiterati and their uh, going away concert that they hosted in Iowa City this summer. Um, You'll also see some pretty fantastic images that have a little bit of a different style from Dallas Tuttle. Um, who works in IT and is involved with the Ames music scene. He's contributed pictures to this book as well. So, Well, and you mentioned images from 8035 and Hinterland. There are other music festivals that are included in this as well. And I'm sure that for some people who maybe know all about 8035 and Hinterland, they're going to be like, oh, Mission Creek, that should be on my radar. Uh, Maximum Ames, what's that? So you're also uh, giving us a, a pretty thorough overview of the music scene in Iowa that may help a lot of us get outside of our little bubbles. Yeah. I mean, we're going to contain that and say, I think this does a fantastic job of encapsulating what we're paying attention to at All Access. Um, There are big country music festivals that happen in the state that we don't cover in this book because that's not the music that we lean into. Um, But if you're into the independent, and when I say indie music, I'm not talking about indie music as the genre that many people think of, but indie music is in independent artists Um, writing original music, tracking and mixing their own music and trying to release it, which is what our mission is at All Access. And you get a really good snapshot of the festivals that are trying to support those artists. Um, So yeah, we've got uh, notes in this book about Mission Creek Gross Domestic Product, which is the wintertime festival hosted by the Des Moines Music Coalition, um, as well as Maximum Ames, which is a really DIY, community-born, community-focused music festival that happens in Ames every fall. You get outside of, of Des Moines and, and Iowa City uh, in, in a lot of ways. There's a wonderful article about hip-hop artists in Sioux City. And, and that is something that I, I really appreciate. And I know that that's a challenge because you are in Des Moines. Um, and, of course, and a lot of the music folks live in Cedar Falls. How do you tap in to what's going on all over the state of Iowa? 
Well, I try to make it a point to drive to see a show in person at all of our partner venues every year. So that includes the Raccoon Motel in Davenport, Octopus in Cedar Falls, the Des Moines venues that everyone is familiar with. Um, I also try to make it a point to get out to Saturday in the park in Sioux City every couple of years. I think that that's a fantastic free music series that's done a great job in that part of the state. I also lived in Iowa City for about 10 years. I went to college there and I'm from the western part of the state. And so I grew up driving between Sokol Auditorium, um, the slowdown in Omaha and um, like the Valor Ballroom in Des Moines when I was coming up as a concert goer. And so I think maybe it's like a unique gift that I've been given in the parts of the state that I've lived in that I'm kind of naturally plugged into some of these communities because of where I've lived. Um, and again, I, I make it a point to try and follow folks on social so I can find out about what you're doing. My email is always open at studio one at iowapublicradio.org. Um, if you want to tell us about something that's going on in your area. So yeah, I try, I try to do a good job of it. I think, you know, among the music team, we also do a pretty good job of sort of paying attention to the different scenes around the state. So I really rely on Tony Daner for what's going on in Cedar Falls and have some friends in the music community in Eastern Iowa that are a big help. And I'm sure there's always more to learn. There um, were a couple lovely pieces in the B-side that I really enjoyed that were um, just tributes to venues that are no longer with us. I, the the one for Stebbs in Cedar Falls is so cool because it was about preserving the artwork on the walls in in that venue that was so unique and obviously uh, very homegrown on the walls. Of course, a tribute to the mill. And then that's in Iowa City. But my favorite, you're not going to be surprised, Lindsay, was your profile of Lefty, the dog that inspired the name for Lefty's live music. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. Oh, rest in peace. Um, Lefty's live music in Des Moines is one of the older uh, DIY concert spaces owned by Ann Mathy, um, who is fantastic. They do such a good job there. Um, and when they were naming the venue after it was bought and sort of renamed, it used to be called the Safari Club. They decided to just name the venue after the dog and Lefty the dog hung out at Lefty's live music and would greet artists and hung out during shows and would hang out on the bar and Lefty, unfortunately, had to be put to sleep from old age this year. Um, so we had somebody write a story about where the name of that venue came from. That's so great. That's so great. He was a very good boy. Very and good boy. <laughs> you also have a couple of articles in here that got nationwide attention through the year. Of course, through social media and digital media, things can travel everywhere. One of them was about John Prine's record label going on tour. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So Luke Dickens, who owns Marv's Music and and Vinyl Cup Records in Iowa has a really fantastic relationship with Oh Boy Records. Um, and they decided this year that they were going to take the idea of the record pop-up that he does at Hinterland every year and move it around the country and sell some new John Prine releases. They took John Prine's old truck and took it with them. Um, and they did record store pop-ups all over the country this year. Um, so it was kind of a unique uh, mission to take a record store on tour. Um, but it was really successful for them. And I thought it was kind of a cool thing that came out of Iowa this year. Another one that got national attention is an article you wrote. Um, the headline is female musicians uniquely feel the impact of a lack of family planning options. And that I love that article because it it's a perspective that so many of us have have probably never considered about how difficult it is to be a mom and to be a musician. Oh, 100%. And I mean, we've done a lot of talking about how 
There are childcare deserts all over the state and women are having a hard time trying to find places to take their kids when they have like normal hours, nine to five Monday through Friday jobs. Finding childcare for second and third shift is even harder than that. And I don't think that sometimes we think about how that affects people that are trying to work in performance jobs. And so I wanted to ask some of the musicians that I know that are working in Iowa sort of how the abortion ruling, you know, was going to affect them moving forward and if it made them kind of change their calculus and whether or not they had the bandwidth to pursue making music outside of working and providing for their families. Um, So that's kind of what that story was about. It also covers, I mean, I'm in my mid-30s and trying to decide what my family looks like in the future and... um, kind of investigated this story to find out what my personal options would be as somebody who's out working at gig shows in the evening. So you spent hours and hours and hours and hours and hours putting this together um, in December and creating this great yearbook. But of course, that means that um, everything starts over again when you talk about a yearbook. It's now it's 2023 and we are looking ahead again. What are you excited about for Studio One in 2023? Um, So we are going to pursue doing another edition of this book. We decided that here very recently. I'm really excited about that. So I'm trying to make plans for uh, what events that means our Studio One team is going to show up at this year and what our live concert series looks like. I'm really excited about the fact that this year we're going to be doing an outdoor all-access live show uh, in collaboration with the Friends of KUNI and KHKE in June at the uh, Riverloop Amphitheater in downtown Cedar Falls. That's going to be a fantastic show not to miss. Um, we've not done an all-access live concert outdoors, and so I'm really excited about the possibility of that. Um, there are going to be several different brewers there, uh, and so it'll be like a beer-tasting live music night that will also be broadcast live. Um, we are making plans and gearing up for what our 8035 stage is going to look like, and I am so excited about it. I don't have any information that I can share with you yet, but stay tuned. Um, that'll be coming soon. And we've also got some really fun plans uh, for the end of the year this year that I wish I could give full information about right now, but also can't. (laughs) What a tease. It's all very secret right now. Okay, well, we will wait and we will find out. And uh, this book, as you mentioned, it goes up for presale this week. $30 $30 per person that's to cover the the printing and the shipping but it's a it's a just a really beautiful encapsulation of 2022 in Iowa music. Lindsay Moon, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about this intense labor of love that I really hope continues to grow. <laughs> IPR senior digital producer, Lindsay Moon. If you're interested in the B-side PDF or want to order a printed copy, go to IPRstudio1.org. That is James Tutson and the rollback from All Access Live. They will also be performing at that concert Lindsay mentioned at the Riverloop Amphitheater in Waterloo on June 16th. Talk of Iowa is produced by Samantha McIntosh, Danny Gear, and Caitlin Troutman. This is Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe.